So with Project 100, we're actually trying to have open conversations. Our purpose is to cultivate connections so that we can discover a future of greater possibilities. And in doing so, we create safe places. We build trust with people that help and help them to discover their purpose. But one of the things that we really enjoy at Project 100 is having meaningful conversations with people out there that present their own life, their own thoughts, their own thinking. And what a great opportunity we have today to discuss some of the concept of purpose, mission, vision, and its relationships with an individual that I know already for some time, but I don't think I know him very well. But he's actually living in my neighborhood uh, and I'm really passionate about the stories that he's able to tell. And I have invited him today together with my co-founders of Project 100, Sandy Lamb and Danny Herrera, to have that open conversation about what is purpose? What is a mission? What's the vision that an organization, an individual or a team is exploring? So our guest for today is sometimes also referenced to as Dr. Octopus, but for the more intimate people, it's Ferry Coppens from the Netherlands, the founder of the Octopus Movement, and he's here with us today. And Perry, I would like to give you a warm welcome to our show here, online show today. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so so cool to be with your Project 100. And I have to say immediately that the name Dr. Octopus, I, I didn't create that myself. That would have been a huge ego doing that. Um, someone in South Africa was referring to me on LinkedIn as Dr. Octopus because I founded the Octopus Movement. And he was writing cool stories about the movement and what I did and referring to me as Dr. Octopus. And I thought, oh, that's cool. So that's why I'm using that name. So no worries. I didn't invent that name myself because this would have been the... Right. But for sure, it attracts the right attention uh, for people that don't know you. And uh, we are very fortunate to have you with us uh, in, this, uh, in this conversation. Uh, Sandy Lamb is one of the co-founders of Project 100. She's based in Germany, Mexico-based Daniel Herrera. So uh, the two of us are based in the Eindhoven region, the Netherlands. So there's also cultural diversity here now uh, at the table, I think, uh, as well for this conversation. But before we go into the real content of it, can you maybe share with us and our listeners a bit more about what is the Octopus Movement about and how did you actually get so passionate about driving this? The Octopus Movement is a non-profit movement to create awareness of the awesomeness of atypical thinkers. And an atypical thinker means a weirdo, a misfit, a curious rebel, someone who's outside of the box. And guess what? That's that's me. And I always thought in my life that that was a problem. And I've always tried to pretend I was normal, to pretend I was successful, to pretend that I could achieve whatever was expected from me. Not really, really, truly being myself with this crazy creative brain. So I was an entrepreneur. But I, I just wanted to be an artist. I just wanted to create. I just wanted to be make art, paint, make pictures, write poetry, everything that is art related. I thought it was so beautiful. But you know, growing up, 
things happen in your life, and then you decide you're not an artist, and you decide you have to become a businessman, and you have to set up a company, and you have to be successful and rich and, and, and famous or what what not. So that's what triggered me when I discovered my true self and how other people in the world are also struggling with who they really are and what they're pretending to be. That was a huge motivation for me to bring everything together and start building the octopus movement where I want to have one billion non-linear thinkers together where we can really create positive change in the world. That's actually amazing. And also to have a goal like that, let's say, just setting yourself a vision that you can actually achieve one billion, uh, or you can reach one billion people and, in, and impact one billion people. That's, that's actually uh, amazing. Uh, that maybe also brings me immediately to the conversation of today. If I hear you talk in these type of audacious goals uh, or visions or your motivation for doing all of this. Um, we have Sandy here with us, but definitely also Daniel, and they have recently also trying to document a little bit in more uh, explicit terms. What does that mean? Dri be driven by purpose uh, or setting yourself goals as an organization or even as individuals. Maybe Sandy, can you maybe summarize in a nutshell, let's say, what for you is the difference between goals, mission, visions, uh, and definitely also the relevance of purpose in that model that you have described. Yeah, sure. Um, so I have to say when I, the big reason that I triggered me to actually answer it because I couldn't really find an answer on the internet. Um, also based on all the research and all the books that I've read. Depends on who you follow, depends on what book you actually consume. All these definitions were very different from different sources so I was just totally confused and so I went on gather all the different sources and tried to make sense of it and it came up with this model that basically imagine a circle or half circle but yeah um, in the center is the purpose so that is the why which is basically our like all the feelings that we come from the past um, that triggers what this purpose is, why we um, exist, um, and then everything we do, all these, all these uh, goals, all these objectives, vision, and everything should be basically guided by our values in action. So those are um, our principles, you know, in other words. And on around this whole circle, outside the circle, um, I basically differentiate um, between all these terms in terms of the how and where. So in the more longer, long-lasting and more aspirational spectrum that has the vision and, um, and the mission. So the vision is where we want to head to in terms of a long-lasting kind of uh, time frame. Uh, and the mission is how we are going to accomplish that vision, but in a very long-lasting um, and aspirational time frame as well. 
um, that's basically the the drive um, of the mission. And then in the middle kind of spectrum, um, we see the mid midterm kind of timeline. And in terms of like concreteness or, or aspirational, that's sitting in the middle. Um, those are our goals and strategies. So goals are where we want to head to and the strategies are how we are going to head to those goals. And by this midterm kind of thing, I'm thinking, oh, I define it as more as years, the longer uh, time of things, like at least like a year or two um, years of uh, spectrum. And then on the right side uh, where uh, I'm like on the right side where uh, it's more concrete and more short term, we have um, objectives and key results. So objectives are where we want to head to in terms of more concrete terms. And how we're going to do it, we are measured by our key results. So um, uh, they are measurable and very concrete in a way so that um, teams can actually understand how we can accomplish that uh, objective by doing all these terms and basically what i'm looking at is the the more uh objectives we accomplish in, we will eventually meet our goals and then when we can accomplish our goals then by doing that repeatedly eventually we will get to our vision um so that's kind of the spectrum uh, of the model I think it would be good if we share this for our listeners also on our website or in a blog post. Yeah, it's uh, very so hard that they to can... visualize it, I think. And I have a question, Sandy. Do you have the model in front of you or is this just ready knowledge in your head that you visualize it's already... it in your brain? <laughs> it's already in my head. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, do, do you see it in front of you on a screen or do you see it in front of you? in your thinking in your brain but in my thinking that's that's the whole reason that i need to create that graphic because for me it was very abstract like this whole definitions between the different terms were very abstract for me so by creating the infographics now i have a picture in my head yeah i think i'm a very visual person um like even reading text i actually don't register them as text like i actually register as pictures first yeah. So I remember the shape of the word, but I don't actually read them at first place. So I think having that picture helped me to remember this whole model. Um, and, yeah. and did you have that picture already in mind when you started doing the research on what is purpose, what are strategies and where are goals? Did you already have that envisioned for yourself? This is where I'm going to? Or how did that happen? Uh, Sorry, um, I'm asking the questions here, but I'm, I'm just super curious how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I have the sketch with me right now at the moment, but at first I was basically dropping all the terms down, like what do I actually want to define at first, and then I tried to make sense of the um, differences. Um, and then at first I adopt the, I tried to adopt the model that um, typically what people have as the, the pyramid and they either have a vision or a mission at the very top and then kind of go down and I have also see the other way around and that already made me very confused I was thinking about okay 
it shouldn't be one like it shouldn't be that you have to make one happen first and then you need to do the other one in a way like to me that's not really i guess it's not very linear <laughs> like it shouldn't be a very linear thing that's kind of linking to this conversation as well and then i was thinking okay purpose how do i fit it in there because purpose should be the core like at least to me um that's the core of everything that i do and i wanted to sit in the middle but it definitely wouldn't sit in a pyramid so then i was thinking okay if i need a core a center then there should be a circle around it and then that's kind of how that whole model makes developed. more sense yeah yeah if i listen to sandy uh i hear trying an attempt to rationalize the correlations between what motivates people what turns into action and also to how how maybe make more tangible what success means, achieving goals, delivering upon a strategy and things like that. It's a very rationalized approach that I think in many businesses are being used to control organizations or to inspire organizations in a, in a more positive way. Uh, Perry, if we ask you, let's say, in terms of maybe what is your motivation and how is your motivation uh, in life maybe, uh, or your inspiration in life, driving your actions, uh, or making you act in whatever you do, how would you reflect on your own core motivators? Well, yeah, a lot of people actually are asking this. Um, you know, where do you find your effort? Because I'm working seven days a week, 14 days, 14 hours a day, which I don't consider as work. You know, I'm very passionate and people can see that I'm working with all my passion and I love doing this. And they ask me where this is coming from. I have no idea. And and <laughs> maybe that's the non-linear thought behind it, that eventually everything comes together, what you've done in your life. And all of a sudden you see your purpose or your why. And I understand the why is the core, right? It's It's... Everything is about the why. If the why isn't clear, then what the hell are you doing? But it's so difficult for a lot of people to discover their own why. Because there needs to be a why in, in, in order to have purpose. But is there? You know, it, it, And sometimes you cannot exactly pinpoint what your why is. But there is a why. But it's not completely clear for yourself. And maybe subconsciously or it's it's just not clear for you right yet why you're doing this. So if you ask me this question, then I find it difficult to answer. You know, and I could say because my goal is to have the octopus movement globally with one billion people connected. But if that's really my my goal, then I'm not succeeding because um, I can't feel that, right? It's it, it, maybe for me my my true goal is to make these little steps and and see that I make a difference for people uh, now and and maybe tomorrow and yesterday. I received just a LinkedIn post of someone who nominated me for something and. Apparently, I changed something for her and her family by explaining the nonlinear thinking. That's a huge purpose. 
but that's the purpose right here not in front of, of or not you know planned out to towards a goal so i find it very difficult to answer your question well maybe we don't have to look for an answer maybe we have to look for a perspective uh, mm-hmm. in this case <laughs> daniel i know you are dying to respond to, to these type of uh, statements in terms of uh, how do you look at the difference between purpose and goal setting maybe also in the context how perry was describing it for himself how do you reflect on that uh about purpose and goal settings yeah i think uh that's one of the reasons why uh, sandy did her graphic um because yeah it's it's difficult to to for most people to see what is what comes first right well, uh, many people find their purpose right after they have done a bunch of stuff and others want to start with that very clear uh, in the, from the beginning. So, yeah, I don't think uh, one really needs to come first. It's like uh, the chicken or the egg. It really doesn't matter. We, we are all trying to be better. Um, and yeah, I think uh, goal settings is better when we have a big drive defined but also if we just keep going without a direction, we will find one that will resonate with us. That's what I think uh, happens to most people. And that's what I want to connect with what Perry does, which is uh, nonlinear thinking. And I think I was, I was actually just thinking that teaching or exploring non- nonlinear thinking with a lot of people especially young people will help them because they are struggling too much in the current situations, the current world with all the expectations that they are supposed to meet. Right. And if we say to them and we tell them, we show them that life are cycles going back and forth and succeeding, failing. And it's just the drive, the purpose, which will make you think I will keep going. I will figure this out and not completing the the typical and traditional milestones is what will help them, right? And the other thing that I will like, I, I think everyone will appreciate is to remind the concept of what we show in our discovery conversations, which is the differentiation between the limbic brain and the neocortex, right? So the neocortex has many characteristics. It gave us, it, it has the capacity for language. That's how we are we communicating right now. It's also the one that makes us rest, rationalize about stuff, but it's also the one that has, like I said, the, the words, right? And then the limbic brain has all of our emotions. It runs most of our decisions, especially the ones that are already automated, and it has no capacity for language. And that's when we struggle to figure out the words to connect all these concepts that we are discussing, right? Because I'm sure that in the, in the emotional part, the the purpose, the goals, the everything that we are saying, it's already making us emotional, making us feel something, right? And what we are struggling is to find the words that connect or uh, we agree uh, are like uh, yeah, like the same kind of understanding for all of us, and that's that's okay, right? That's when we have these conversations, and that's when we can play around and no one has the complete truth but what we know is that we have a drive we have goals that we want to put a number to it so we can not lose focus 
because that's what happened to me. I lose focus because I don't have a uh, like a strategy all figured out, and I just I'm just thinking about the long term, right? Uh, so yeah, it, it works both ways, and it's important to have both. And maybe there are there's a, a third dimension that we are not even considering, but but yeah, that's that's what I can say about all that we have been talking about. If I may respond to lose focus immediately because oh that's music to my ears, um, we have to focus. <laughs> but not having focus is also can contribute to something beautiful, and that's of course the, the, the coarse thinking of nonlinear thinking that. Before we go to school, we're all nonlinear thinkers, and we go to school and and you have to exceed and and you have to fulfill expectations, you have to get your grades, and you have to do the right thing. And there's most of the time only one right answer and whatnot. So we teach ourselves how to be a linear thinker. And Having focus really helps to have a linear structure and to achieve these goals. But to wander around sometimes, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not black and white. I'm not saying nonlinear thinking is everything and linear thinking is not. It's about the combination. Um, but too many times we're talking about you should focus or you should not lose your focus. But sometimes losing your focus really helps in your nonlinear thinking to touch new areas which really helps you to create your purpose or to set strategies because sometimes you need to get out of that linear structure otherwise you're stuck and and we're all doing the same thing um that's what i wanted to share about lose focus that i always respond to that when i hear that that not always bad to lose your focus it's good to wonder off from time to time. Um, what you were just talking about, Perry, also intrigues me a little bit because you say that everybody's born as a non-linear thinker uh, and, and, and almost that that reality is ruined by education. It's disrupted by education. It's made linear. It's compartmentalized uh, through education. Uh, me being very active in the creative world, not being a creative myself in that sense, but uh, discussing it a lot with uh, others. There's always that conversation about creativity as well. Everybody is born as the best designer, the most creative person, because he's an everybody's an explorer in the beginning, active learner, prototyper. Every new experience inspires you. And it's skilled in schools. It's brought back to textbook knowledge proven knowledge and the whole explorative type of notion is also killed in, in that profession uh, then it's still amazing how talented some designers are that they were able to safeguard that creativity and find in that almost their purpose in life to use that creativity to solve problems to create impact uh, and things like that as well uh, i was just wondering how you see the role of education in general uh, as part of being life-forming or life-destructing, maybe? And also, is it helping people to understand much better what drives them in life or what their ambitions are? How do you look at the role of education in this whole concept of motivation, purpose, shaping your life? 
Well, first of all, Jeroen, when you see an amazing designer, do me a favor. Try to figure out if his brain is wired differently, that he wasn't able to stick into that linear pattern. And that always fascinates me. I, I, since I'm working with linear, non-linear thinking, I always look at the world that way. I, I meet amazing people and I discover, you see, your brain is wired differently. And maybe you cannot even put a label to it. Doesn't matter to me. But what I see when people follow the linear education and they achieve whatever they wanted to achieve, that some people are not able to stick in that system no matter what. And, and, and they are breaking out, they're breaking free, they're doing things. And those are the people that are achieving amazing results. Um, not always easy, of course, because you have a lot of weight sometimes against you because of the expectations. Um, the majority of people that go to school learn thinking in a very, very good way helps them tremendously to achieve things in life that really helps them so but the problem for me is diversity you know every, every time something becomes complicated we want to simplify it to understand it so the, the diversity of our brain is very complicated and we use one or less one educational system in learning things which can never suit well to all diversity but I'm also very much into hardship. Hardship also creates creativity. Hardship also creates beautiful outbursts of, of people in, in achieving amazing things. So, again, it's very complicated. And, and I'm almost happy that these nonlinear thinkers go to school first and have that struggle at school where they can explode later on in life and use everything they've learned together with a brain that cannot stay in one area. Although, I think if you would ask me about education, we should talk about this. The problem is that if your grades for math are not good, you think you're not good in math. You think you suck in math and you're not. You shouldn't be doing anything with math. And that's too linear for me because I've spoken to so many people that had a very rough time at high school with math. Later on, discovered themselves how it really works with math and just said, you know, I never really understood how it was working with math, but the way of learning wasn't my way of learning. And they discovered later on and then still got a phd in math but during their difficult time in growing up being a teenager right you would we know all about that and, and and taking choices where to study what to do you have that feeling of I'm, I'm, I'm not good in this i shouldn't be doing that and if in education we start talking about linear non-linear thinking saying this is a linear system which we need to use otherwise you know where do we go maybe we can eventually create schools where there's a choice do you have a linear school or a non-linear school that would be amazing you know if we can achieve that 
but at least for now, they talk about this. And, and this is what I do at schools as well, to talk about nonlinear thinking, to explain that your way of learning m- maybe is not in line with the way of learning your teacher is explaining you how to learn. And by not succeeding doesn't mean you're not good in it. And that's something we need to talk about, I think. Love that. I just learned uh, thinking about uh, the differentiation about it is not good versus you are not good. And I think yeah. as people grow up, children grow up, it's very hard to grasp that differences. And normally when we are graded as bad, then we take it as our problem and would not really think about maybe it's the system that is not good. Maybe it's the method that is being taught is not good. But I also wonder, as a child, they wouldn't really have the concept in their head in the first moment. They would just get confused in a way when they get into the situation. And how parents would be able to differentiate that when everyone is telling you that your child is just simply bad, right? I don't know what, I don't know if there's an answer for it, and I don't know how to really see that in a way, also. There's a long way to go, but there is a start by explaining the two differences to start with. And recently I was at school and I asked a group of nine-year-olds, what do you want to become when you grow up? And, and these little arms go up and they're like, I want to be a vet, I want to be a dancer, or I want to be an artist, or I want to be this, or I want to be that. And I told them, and I said, well, it's maybe not or, maybe it's and. Maybe you can become a vet and a dancer and an artist, right? Mm-hmm. Do it all. And these nine-year-olds are telling me, 47, that I'm wrong. No, it's that, no, sir. Sorry, Perry, but that's, you can't. You cannot be and a vet and a dancer and an artist. And, And that's for me the example where we stand today, because this happened last year. This is where we are today because of the educational system. And I'm not blaming the educational system, really. But we need to talk about this because if a nine-year-old already thinks that you have to choose one thing and one thing only, well, that, that makes it very difficult because if you want to become a doctor and that's the only thing you want to do and, and you suck at biology because it's not your way of learning, what else can you do, right? It becomes so difficult in... in, in creating your strategies in your purpose it's it's not serving your model sense you know if if it's too narrow then where do you go if something goes wrong if one element goes wrong where do you go from there if if that's the system you want to follow i think it's also interesting that the path or the choices that we force the younger generations and i think we were part of it as well in those days to choose is based on systems on uh, let's say baselines um, 
expectations. Uh, we compartmentalize the choices that we make by not understanding what really motivates us or what makes us happy. And I think uh, what we also discover in many of the interviews that we do with people that say, I would like to discover my purpose. Um, the concept of purpose, having that inner motivation or something that drives you in life at a very early stage is something that is, is hard to grasp, which is fine. It's forming, it's shaping at that moment. Uh, but at the same time, the system around these kids, whether they are six, whether they are 12, whether they are 17, um, is assuming that they know what they want. And, um, and, and assuming that you should know that you and, that you exactly. want something, right? Yeah, yeah. That there, yeah. there should be a why or a purpose. Yeah, whereas there's also evidence and... Uh, Sandy can explain that much better than I do, but there, there's research-based evidence that your purpose is not mature yet at teenage years. No. It, it, it almost established itself and manifests itself in a mature way. What was it, around the 20, uh, Sandy? Let's say around your 20s. So that means we force our children, my son, my daughter, uh, also in life, to say, what would you like to be later in life? What, what school choice is now right for you? What do you want? I don't know is very often the question. And then we start debating whether they should know instead of that's acceptable. And it's a hard, it's a hard statement. But in the other hand, it's very acceptable that they don't know. And then the very system pleasant. blocks. Very pleasant it's, as well. It's also very pleasant. But the system blocks them yeah. because it doesn't allow them to move forward because we want them to have on a path, in a box, in a system, in a line. And, and um, Jeroen, the, the system also drives them to a purpose. Because when you're at school and, and one subject fits you in the way you're learning that, then, you know, oh, this is really something for you. And then expectations are being created. But, and, and, and your purpose hasn't developed yet. And that's what you will follow because I, you know, I was getting good grades in that and everybody was saying, oh, you're doing such a good job there. So I'm going that direction. But there's always, I believe that if, if you dive deep enough, if you create a, a very safe space where you can really explore thoughts and feelings, then I think you can have another conversation on what someone really wants despite of all the expectations of parents and teachers. I think. Daniel, Daniel in terms of that safe space eh, that, we, that we create with Project 100 and when we talk to people, and if you listen to what Perry is saying, do we, do we, do you, but do we recognize actually that we are able to create that safe space where that purpose can also be not yet matured or not be explicit? Can you reformulate the question? I didn't get the last part, please. Well, maybe do do we recognize in in the in the interviews and in the conversations that we have with people as part of Project One Hundred that that immaturity of the purpose is 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 there, and that people are afraid also to become more explicit in what motivates them. Yeah, yeah, that's what we have. Uh, that's what I said before. You know, like we know how we feel about something. It's just that we found it find it very hard to put the words into it. 
the words that makes us excited and hopefully makes other other ones excited as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, we, we, we have created that safe space because we are here volunteering our time, doing this for our own purpose as a team and individuals. And yeah, uh, like I said as well, many or, or all of the people we have talked to have been very grateful that we have gave them that space and asked them good questions to wonder what is what they really prefer and, and prioritize in life in an emotional and individual way and not think just about this concept of career and traditional milestones, right? Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I, I was very, very uh, excited about the topic of education. So I just wanted to say that, yeah, I agree with all that you have said. I, I really think um, I, I, I was not formulating the, the, the statement that Every people is a non-linear thinker by by when they are born. Uh, it, I I think there are people that will prefer to just follow the, a path, but that in a way uh, is also very limiting for all the other people that are willing to take so many chances and opportunities to explore what is what they really want to do. And and like you said, Perry, I I really think I love the and uh, idea, and yeah. You can be an engineer from this time to this time, and then a dancer, and then an artist. That's what I have seen in the last five to six years from many people that I have met online worldwide, that they are many stuff, right? And the ones that are in a, in a traditional job, they may not be as happy, but they are okay with it. And But they are still wondering, what could that be if I have done it or if I had the courage to do this, right? Uh, and yeah, that's that's where the systems and where all the other things that we know about uh, are limiting all these beliefs, are, are limiting beliefs on stopping people to go outside of something else that they are they have set their, themselves into a concept or a profession or, or whatever. I think that's the beauty Can I... of the... Sorry. No, go ahead, Sandy, please. Yeah, I just want to say that, like, I think it's, that's the beauty of knowing your purpose, because once you know your purpose, your what can change the whole time and still can feel motivated. Like, I think that has actually changed for me and it actually built a confidence for me also in terms of what I can do, because now I'm not seeking for what I actually want to do. I'm more seeking for what else I can do in terms for giving me the motivation and the fulfillment that I need for life. And that what can vary and can be very diverse and can be not just one thing, it can be an end there. Um, and that actually helps me to, to be more seeking out more diverse things in my life and also yeah, having the confidence like, okay, if I lose my job one day, I don't even worry that much in a sense. Like I can seek for another thing that still can give me the fulfillment that I need. Yeah. And, and when I, when I Sandy look at your model, I, I want to, I want to give you a sneak preview or or in, in my kitchen of the octopus movement so 
I built this in one and a half year time by myself, around 1800 members in 55 countries. I can say I did a good job and it's growing every day. Things are going very well. And when I look at your model, then it's true, right? There is the, the, the why and the purpose and the strategies and the mission. But everything is constantly changing in minor details. So the big picture stays the same, more or less. And within the big picture, it's constantly moving, maybe like an octopus. But I've, I've had some people volunteering for the octopus movement, although they were convinced they were strong nonlinear thinkers, they were asking me for this infograph about the purpose of the octopus movement. They wanted to have the structure. And I couldn't give that to them because it's, I'm constantly adjusting. I'm constantly reshaping and finding my way in reaching my goals. So when I wasn't able to explain this, this infograph of the octopus movement, some people had to step away because they couldn't work with that. They were so trained in a linear way that they need to have clear objectives, clear goals, with the strategy around that in 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 days and 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 deadlines. I hate the word deadlines, by the way, but okay, and, and deadlines. Otherwise, they couldn't work. And although those were nonlinear thinkers, they when they went to work, basically, they referred back in their safe linear environment because this is what we've learned and this is how it works. And I'm so curious if we meet in five years from now and I will look back on everything that happened, I will probably say that your infograph is spot on. And, and that's what I already think right now. But... It, it fits the five year perfectly well, but when you look at the infograph per day or per week, it's a mess. It's not like that at all, right? But then mm. when you look at the bigger period of time and you remove the complexity and you go to, this is a simplified structure of reality, then I totally agree. Does that make sense what I say just now? I hope I can make myself clear here what I wanted. I think we will we will know in five years. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, right? Uh, but, but I think it, it is a compliment to what I think Sandy has tried over the last couple of weeks in trying to synthesizing maybe something that cannot be synthesized but is there. Yeah. And we, maybe that's what we need to uh, to accept as well. Maybe to round off this episode, this conversation. No, to... I have a question for you. I have a qu no, I have a dying question. We can do that fast. You know, with your expertise of purpose and, and strategy and mission, and, and please explain to me the effort of people, how you see that. Because in my opinion, I'm missing a lot of effort from people. I, for me, it feels like Today, there's not always a lot of effort. There's effort, but for me, it feels like it, everything needs to go fast 
and you do one project and it needs to be successful and you need to be you know have all the linear accomplishments ready and otherwise you know it doesn't work how do you see especially with project 100 and and talking to people with purpose how do you see effort in life what do you think when i say effort in life what what I'm curious about your opinion on that. I first want to give this one to uh, Daniel. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, yeah, I was going to ask you what you mean by effort, but you're asking us what we understand by that. Uh, what I understand is energy, you know, like drive. Mm-hmm. What makes us wake up every day and, and not just living or going into our routine because that's what most people hate or don't, don't really appreciate. Um, yeah, I think uh, there are many, many reasons. For me, is this undeniable truth of changing the world for the better, no? And all of us here feel some kind of way with different words, similar emotions. And there are a bunch of other people in all the world that are thinking the same. Like what Sandy, like what Sandy says, that the way you do that, it's very differently, no? And we can say, we want to change the world. Yeah, but how? No? Because we could be very inspiring and that's what happened in conventions and talks and nice conversations like this one. But then when we figure out what are the next steps or what can be my first step to make us feel like we are making a change, right? That's That's what is different for each one of us. And I don't think personally, or just thinking it right now, I don't think that depends on linear or non-linear. It's more like how our human works, uh, human brain works. Like we, what incentives do we give to create a habit or to try new things or to just be different for the bigger intention of making a change, right? And, And that effort, that discipline or that motivation it really depends on each one of us. It's very, it's a very complex answer for me. Thank you. Sandy, your perspective on effort. So the question was, what do we see as effort in life, right? And I wonder what is the definition of life? I think that is something that is up to every single person to define on their own. And it it will make the effort different for every single person. I guess I, I don't really have an answer because I think that definition is really up for individual to define. Like, I wouldn't say that I don't see enough effort on something because I don't know what that really means in a way. Maybe we should create a part two one day and talk about effort. <laughs> Maybe uh, you can think... help to create an infographic and, and a model on effort, Sandy. <laughs> that would be cool. So, sounds amazing. When you asked me, when you asked the question, um, it, it also reflects, almost Daniel started with what I was thinking. It reflects energy. So when you mentioned what does effort mean to you in this concept, I was thinking about energy. And I, what I've experienced, and I also hear that a little bit in your story, uh, Perry, in terms of once you found your purpose, implicitly or explicitly, at least there is something that keeps driving you. Daniel calls it getting up every morning without any hesitation. Uh, let's say, 
So there's that intrinsic ongoing supply of energy that keeps you going for something that you feel is relevant to you or that you want to contribute to. So in the context of your question, I really started to think about when people do indeed find their purpose or can uh, formulate it to their own in their own language, in their own emotions, then at least they know where the source of energy and therefore of effort, ongoing effort, is coming from. Uh, because if you lose the purpose, you probably instantly lose your, uh, let's say, nuclear power plant, if you want to call it like that, that uh, keeps you going every day. Uh, in whatever job you do, in whatever situation you are, whether you help uh, your own family, your own children, your own uh, intimacy around you, or whether it's at work with your colleagues, whether it's serving your customer, I think when that nuclear power plant is, uh, is disrupted, I think the energy supply that turns it all into effort to achieve something is also gone, implicitly or explicitly. I'm still confused a bit about uh, your sight and your perspectives on life and how that then turns into a purpose, yes or no, but I love the whole concept of do I really need to know it in order to live it? Uh, can I not discover it by all the new experiences that I have every day, every moment of life? Uh, so it actually puts my thinking to the test. Is an explicit purpose really necessary to be happy? Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe that... there is, when you look back in life, whatever life is, but when you're you're almost leaving this this planet Earth and you're looking back at your life, then you discover your purpose, right? That can happen as well. Um, I discovered by doing the thing I really wanted to do. And I wasn't planning to create a purpose or a why. It, it just just happened organically for me. Um, I, I learned a word in China when I was living there. It's called Wu Wei and it's effortless effort. And I just found that so beautiful because when when you have effortless effort, you go the extra mile. You go through the pain. You go when you think, I don't know, you know, do I really need... I've thought so many times with the octopus pool, but am I really doing this? Or is, is am I crazy? Or, you know, what is this? But apparently something happened that this effortless effort was triggered, that it's not effort anymore. And um, I think when you're your why and your purpose and your goals are in balance and you know why you're here or you know that you don't want to know what that is maybe that creates Wu Wei and that makes life very beautiful and, and creates a lot of happiness I think I think it's a, a very nice conclusion to this whole conversation as uh, such so let's say probably that, that purpose is almost materializing that effortless effort uh, that you have over there. But I don't want to stop this uh, this episode here with giving Daniel and Sandy both the opportunity to ask the last question to our guest, to you, Perry. Oh, that means uh, this so, last another hour. <laughs> no. 
and uh, we can cut the episode for our listeners if we have to cut it short but we prefer not to do that so Sandy maybe you can ask a last question that can be answered in uh, in a decent moment of time whatever it is whatever it is whatever it is I have a question but I don't know if you can be answered in a lot of time something really um interesting concept that kind of came to my mind was like when you were talking about how different how some people's brain are wired and i was uh i was reading a book called the life wired i don't know if you have read that it talks about like how our brain constantly try to basically fight with each other like all the different um what did they call it the uh electrons or like the I don't remember the neurons the constantly yeah 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 and they try to constantly fight with each other and like even so that like when at the time like when i'm too focused on perhaps something that's not visual and then my when i sleep my brain will actually trigger my visual sense and then try to fight back and try to dream more so that i can keep my visual sense you know and i just found that concept is fascinating and it, it just like I don't know like when you were talking about how people's brain wired differently and it kind of got me into thinking what if these people who are different they got rewired in a way that they become normal again like normal in terms well people don't see my video but I'm quoting it as normal because I don't believe in what is normal in a sense but you know to fitting in the more society definition and i just thinking like how all this kind of fit into your model as well like people's spring actually are constantly changing right yeah i don't know if you can, can answer, answer this <laughs> yes i can answer this very briefly um i i want to go to neurodiversity and the pharmaceutical industry uh, when you have ADHD, bipolar, and whatnot, there are medication there to become normal as much as possible. So imagine you have ADHD and your brain is constantly celebrating Chinese New Year. It's, it's huge. These neurons are firing away constantly. It can't stop, right? And then you can take medicine to quiet things down and take a breathing pause and continue and, and le- live a more normal life. The thing is, I'm not against that kind of medication, people. You know, listen well to me. But a lot of people that have been taking med- medicine for their mental health do want to go back to who they really are even though they experience their normal because and that's that's what 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 you said daniel as well their gut feeling what they can describe with words is their true identity and it's out of balance so i'm wondering if when you're lucky enough to have a different wired brain, <laughs> if you want to be normal, and I know Elon Musk is doing tests with that, right? And, and implanting computer chips and 
people are saying things about that, what they what they feel about these tests and whatnot. People want to be themselves. Uh-huh. Moreover, than anything else, you know, they just want to be themselves. And when they found them for themselves to be in balance with the linear world and their non-linear thinking, and it works, they can cooperate together. Then beautiful things happen. Is that a short answer to your beautiful question that we can talk about for hours, probably? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I another reason for a part two. Uh, Daniel, as part of the show, the last question from Mexico. I don't have a last question. I can just keep talking. <laughs> okay. uh, but I, but I will try to close this down um, with a wondering or something around that and. And yeah, I I would like to encourage everyone here and listening to us that there's no one path, there's no infinite paths, there's just multiple that we can all freely choose, right? And and like what you are saying, uh, Peggy, and I think uh, yeah, we want we are emotional beings and we want to feel, we love emotions, right? So I, I, I was thinking what, what happened to the extreme uh, sports, the, the people that do this, what happened when they can truly no longer experience those highs, high rush of adrenalines? Are they, have they lost themselves? I don't think so. They just have to shift. No? And there's a concept in behavioral uh, psychology that's like putting a thinking hat. How are you reshaping everything to make you feel not adrenaline but pride or fulfillment and that will trigger a different kind of emotion that's so deep maybe a, more than jumping 300 meters on the snow and the snow ramp no so all those things we are having said today are just a bunch of different thoughts from four people that are all around the world with different backgrounds and we are agreeing that there's just not one curse of action and if you are listening we are here to encourage you to try many things in a safe way <laughs> as possible so you find your purpose your drive and explore the wonders that your mind can do amazing I would like to thank everybody that's listening and is being inspired by this conversation to be with us here in this uh, episode. I want to thank Sandy, the amazing Sandy Lamb, as we say in social media. So if you look for her, the amazing Sandy Lamb, that's where you find her. The amazing, curiously, always asking questions, Daniel Herrera from Mexico. And I want to thank our special guest for tonight, Dr. Octopus. Perry Knoppert from the Netherlands. And I really hope that this was just the trailer of part number two that we're going to organize together. Whether it's on our side or on your side, uh, Perry, we can have that conversation later. But thank you all for listening. Thank you for all for being here. Thank you.